The sermon for this evening is uh, based on the book Joyfully Lutheran, Apostles' Creed, Article 3, Sanctification, um, based on the Gospel of St. John, Chapter 11. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And yes, the Lord could have been there, but two days longer he stayed back and he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And there Jesus was, as he arrived at Bethany, met by Mary and Martha, where Lazarus had already died. And with great compassion, Jesus wept. And he took away, and he told them to take away the stone. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And there once this dead man, Lazarus, was now made alive. The power of Jesus, the power of his word, his authority, who he is as the Savior, as God, is shown through the rising of this dead man. Impossible situation this was, but here we see Lazarus rise. I think for us, this is a picture of who we are and how his word, God's word, delivers us also. President Harrison writes in his book, Joyfully Lutheran, pertaining to the third article of the Creed, he writes, Dead people don't decide on Jesus. The picture of Lazarus shows us the state in which we are born into, that death is real for us. But even in the midst of that death, we are born in spiritual blindness, that we are dead and enemies of God, children of wrath, as St. Paul would say. And thus, when we say, I believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this is not something that we magically figured out. It's not because we're super intelligent or that we just have that inkling to figure this out, but it was given to us by faith, through the Spirit who gives us this word to create faith in us, spiritually dead sinners. As it reads, Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And through the word, the Holy Spirit has made us alive by this very word, the powerful word of God, right? The word delivered to you by the cross. We always hear the proclaimed gospel for you, Jesus. We're there. The forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation is yours. Jesus imparts this to you, but also the power of God's word given to you in your baptism, the water and the word. This is where faith is created and sustained all by the power of of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God. 
Yet the misconception that we see in many people is that somehow we need to make a decision. Or maybe other verbiage is used, such as giving our life to the Lord or committing our hearts to Him. I think we soon find when we go down this trail is that the subject to the verb always is I. But again, today, third article of the Creed. Every Sunday we hear it. Every Sunday we confess it. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, when we go through that, what does that mean? And I want you to remember this on Sunday when we say the Apostles' Creed. Because when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, what we are really saying is this. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. I cannot. But the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit has called me and you to the gospel. The Holy Spirit, by His work, has enlightened me and you through His gifts as He sanctifies and keeps you and gathers you in this one true faith. It's all by the grace of God that He has called you to be His own. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, what we are saying is no human reason or strength here. Because our faith is in, not ourselves, but God's powerful Word. Pertaining to the world, Harrison writes, This phrase, scandalous to every fiber of the human capacity and pride, is the razor that cuts sharply and surely between the religion of Jesus, the religion of grace, and all of its caricature. Faith as my free decision is not only a myth, it is an arrogant mixing of law and gospel. He further writes, Jesus has done everything he could for you. Now it's up to you. But is it? Is it up to you? Because he's right. The radical gift of this gospel, it is scandalous to every fiber of our being, our human capacity, because we have this pride in us and it puts us out of the equation because we are unable to be part of that equation because of the impossibility that is in this sin inherited uh, for us or by the fall of Adam and Eve. That is why when we read Ephesians 2.1, we are dead in our trespasses. We are by nature children of wrath. So what do we bring to the table? Well, what can you bring to the table? Or can you bring something to the table? Again, when we see what original sin has brought into the world, we know that sin is not something that we can erase. Sin is not something that we can juggle around or balance from the from the good or bad, and, and, and tell ourselves, well, maybe we'd have more plus rather than minus, and maybe if we do more uh, good than bad, 
then maybe I can erase my sin by my own works or justify or just tell God that I'm a good person. I've done more good than bad, right? I'm not that bad of a sinner. Or even to the point where we tell ourselves, I'm no sinner at all. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the, the truth is not in us, right? But their pride plays a role and says, me, 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 I got this. Let me play a role. I can be a part of this salvation story. I can make, I can commit, I can give. And there the devil is trying to confuse us. Because the devil's work is to deceive and diminish the work of Christ. Don't you see? To diminish the work of Christ where, to the point where we see Jesus' work is not enough. His death and resurrection not sufficient. And you need to prove it. You need to be worthy of it. And you need to give your worth to prove and gain your salvation. And what the devil does not tell us in this way is that in the end, we are left in despair, shattered and entrenched in our guilt, surrounded by uncertainty, question marks that are layered with more question marks that continue down the spiral of wonder and terror and fear of, am I good enough? Have I done enough to merit salvation? And yes, it's easy. I know we hear the gospel that is preached. But yet at times, it's easy for that gospel. We might preach it, but then, as I said earlier in Bible class today, it's so easy to pull it back and say, now you do your part. But that's not the gospel anymore. Because the gospel is complete and solely the work of Christ. And there we find it takes a whole different shape as me, myself, and I takes root. And when we play the part, it's all a farce. We are unable. There we find ourselves trying to achieve the impossibility of holiness, a holiness that we cannot attain because of our sinful nature. And inevitably, discouragement follows. Inadequacy sparks helplessness and hopelessness. And there we proceed to burnout. We've all been there. Pull up your bootstraps, religion. It doesn't work because, it fall, because we fall short. But there the Holy Spirit is, right? Who by His grace calls you to the gospel, enlightens you, illumines your heart and mind to this life-saving message, hearing it, receiving it, creating faith in you, and sustaining and renewing and restoring you all by this word, the law that convicts, that accuses and crushes, but then there the gospel is, your sweet remedy, the good word, that by this word you are forgiven. It is in this Christian church, this holy Christian church, as Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the head where we daily and richly are forgiven of all of our sins. Isn't that why we are here? Because in the meantime, this is what we are fighting. Harrison writes again, I am a rugged individualist. 
I seek religion that is between God, no matter how I conceive of him, whether based on the truth of the Bible and Jesus' word or not, and me. Indeed, the individualist in all of us desires our own ways, our own thoughts, our own motives, yet God's ways, his thoughts are above, infinitely above ourselves. And thus we come here to hear God's word. Busy lives that we live challenges and conflicts, worries and anxieties, the workplace, the home, the to and from, busy, busy, it never stops. But here we are together, hearing God's word. This is where the Holy Spirit is working, sustaining and renewing faith in you, sanctifying you, making you holy, making you alive by those very words, come out, Lazarus. And by Jesus's word, Lazarus arose, still fresh with the stench of his deathly odor and the linen stripes still clinging to him. He got up and went victoriously on his way. That's the power of God's word. And so it is with you that likewise, by this very word of God, the word that you hear and receive, there too is our Lord who says, come out. I rescue you. I, I save you. I bring you forth from death to life, from darkness into the marvelous light, from the old to the new creation. That when we say those words in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit there, we are pointed to the very powerful word of God that in the water and word of holy baptism, in this baptismal life clothed with Christ, we live victoriously under and in and with his name. That by his very word, the Holy Spirit creates and sustains faith through you as the gospel is preached because we always need to hear it. We know our sin. We know that we are beggars and this is true. We know that we are broken. But it is Jesus who comes for you, who by his very word sanctifies you, makes you holy by his body and blood the very gospel where your sins are cured and washed away, each and every one of them. But pastor, what about that, that thing in my life that I still hold on to that I wonder if God will actually forgive me for that sin? And indeed, my answer is he does. He forgives you of all of your sins. We know this because he went lifted high upon a tree. Our Lord, the one and only sacrifice, bearing your sin, and there he washes them all away, don't you see? The comfort is in the salvation that God has given to you in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there we are victorious, and we reign victorious three days later. The resurrection, where there all things are laid to rest as Jesus 
proves and gives you the key to eternal life, delivered to you by His grace. There's your room, your seat as citizens of God, as children of God, has been prepared for you by our Lord and Savior. Hearing the word, faith comes by hearing. Hearing the comforts of the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of Christ that is yours. Don't you see? You are His, and you are enlightened by these very words that keep you in the true faith, the words of eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation. And as you go on your way this night, wherever that may be, as you go to sleep and you close your eyes and thank the Lord for another good day that He provides, recite the creed, and there you will find yourself under the Lord's wing, casting your burdens unto Him and knowing full well that when we say, I believe and confess our faith, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Lazarus, come out. We are too also made alive. All by the power of God's Word, the Holy Spirit who calls and gathers and enlightens and sanctifies and keeps you in the one true faith, the faith in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. May the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.